Welcome to Real Life Church. For more information about our ministry and available resources, visit us online at reallifeankney.org. Now let's join this week's service already in progress. Full of the Holy Spirit. Not just know things about the Holy Spirit, not just have correct doctrine about the Holy Spirit. We certainly want that. But that we would be people who are full of the Holy Spirit. This may be the one subject, or one of the subjects, I don't want to say the one subject, I'm famous for overstating things, I'm sure. Um, This might be one of the most over-talked about subjects, or overstated, excuse me, subjects, or a subject that's given lots of lip service, lots of mental ascension to, but little experience the Holy Spirit, experiencing, knowing the Holy Spirit. And so from week to week to week, you may hear some of th- some common threads from week to week, okay? And that's okay, for I want the Holy Spirit to get in our consciousness. Bill Johnson, uh, I don't know what I heard him say, is he said something like, whatever you're conscious of, you will manifest. Now that may be an exaggerated statement a bit, but I think there's a lot of truth there. Those that are conscious of problems and difficulty, what do they manifest? Life is hard. It's challenging. Nobody knows the struggles I go through. They're probably uh, down in the dumps and complain a lot. Those who are conscious of the goodness of God and the grace of God and the gospel probably manifest that as well. So I'm convinced that we live... By and large, I'm not saying all the time, and I'm not saying everybody, but I'm saying just generally we live below what is given to us in the Holy Spirit. Uh, uh, excuse me, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, this is the last thing he said to the people of Corinth. He probably didn't see them after this, so these are the last words that, that were uttered to them by the Apostle Paul. He said, May the grace of Jesus and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. As long as we are content to live without the Holy Spirit as a dominant influence in our life, we probably will. As long as we're okay with just, you know, just knowing things about Him, but not really fellowshipping with Him, not really communing with Him, not really walking with Him, not really experiencing His empowerment in our life, if we're content with that, we probably will continue to live there. A.W. Tozer said, the Holy Spirit doesn't care if he's in our hymnals. He doesn't really care if he's in our credenda or we believe statement, is what we might call that today. He's waiting for our emphasis. And so today, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit again. And what I want to focus on this morning is that the Holy Spirit is promised, promised to all Christians. The Holy Spirit is promised to all Christians. There is a, uh, you know, it may not be, uh, it may not be prevailing, but there is a thought out there that to really walk in the Holy Spirit, to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, that's for the apostles, the, the people in the Bible, and super Christians like Billy Graham or Reinhard Bonnke and things like that. These guys that are, you know, just they've reached the the top rung of being a Christian, and they have the fullness of the Holy Spirit. 
But the New Testament does not say that. It doesn't say that at all. The Holy Spirit, in his fullness, is given and promised, excuse me, is promised to all Christians. There's also another, uh, maybe not prevailing thought, but a thought out there that only strange people experience the Holy Spirit. I mean, only weirdos, <laughs> only people that are way out there, you know, that have these mystical experiences. And you know what? You can be an average Joe. In fact, I think Paul was a very level-headed person. And he had the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So, the Holy Spirit is promised to all Christians. I'm pretty much only going to focus on the, the, the uh, verses in Galatians chapter 3 this morning. So, if you have your Bible, you can open there or you can look on in the bulletin. This passage is so powerful. One thing that it shows us is that the Holy Spirit is a gift promised by the Father. In verse 14, the very last phrase... It says, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. The Holy Spirit is a promise for Christians, for believers. And it's a promise made by the Father. In Acts chapter 2, verse 39, it says the same thing. It talks about the promise of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1-4, Jesus is much more explicit about who this promise is made by, who gives this promise, when he tells his disciples, right before he ascends to be with God, he says, he says, stay in Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. God's promises rest on the trustworthiness of his word. So the question is, can God be trusted? Some might be rolling their eyes, yeah, promise of the, of the Father, the promise of the Holy Spirit. Listen, we've all made promises that we probably haven't kept for one reason or another. And we've all been on the other end where someone's made a promise to us and hasn't kept it. But it's not like that with God. God makes promises and he keeps his promises. Numbers chapter, Numbers chapter 23, verse 19, Moses says, God is not a man that he can lie, or a son of man that he can change his mind. Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill? In other words, God isn't a man that he lies like human beings do. And he's not the son, he's not a son of man that he just arbitrarily changes his mind. You know, we tell somebody we'll do something, we just kind of change our mind and say, hey, I changed my mind on that. Does he say things and then not do what he says? Does he promise and then not fulfill? It's a rhetorical question of, it's obvious that he doesn't do that. He makes promises and he keeps his promises. Isaiah chapter 40, a a verse that many of us know. It's often quoted, and uh, Peter quotes it in 2 Peter 1. The grass withers, and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. God says something, and his words endure forever. They go on and on. He makes promises, and he has the capacity and the power to keep them every time. So the Father's promised to give the Holy Spirit. The Father's promised that one day, He promised long ago in ancient history, that one day His Holy Spirit would be poured out on all of His people. Under the Old Covenant, there were often times where the Holy Spirit would come upon one person or a small group of people for a task. 
I think of the judges like Samson or Gideon, where it says the Spirit of the Lord came upon them and they did some amazing thing, or the prophets of old. But in Joel chapter 3, 650 years prior to Paul writing this in Galatians 3, the prophet Joel, under the anointing of the Spirit, said, A day's coming, declares the Lord, when I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will see visions, or you will, will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on your, maid, your male and female servants, I will pour out my Spirit, and they will prophesy. So the old and the young alike, men and women alike, those who are high up in the socioeconomical ladder and those who are low, the servants as well, will receive the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, we know that um, Peter, or maybe we don't know, Peter quotes this in his famous sermon on the day of Pentecost. When he gets up and says these men are not drunk, this is in fulfillment of what God spoke through the prophet Joel. So God poured his spirit out. You might say the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 is the initial fulfillment, and then every time the Holy Spirit is poured out on an individual or on a group of people, it's another fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel chapter 3. Martin Lloyd-Jones once said, each time the Spirit's poured out, it's like a reenactment of Pentecost. So the Holy Spirit is a gift promised by the Father. It's a gift promised by the Father for all believers, for every Christian. When you read through the New Testament, if you are a believer in Christ, if you are clinging to Christ, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus and you're a disciple of His, you should never read the New Testament and say, oh, that's just for these kinds of people or for these people back in that day. The Holy Spirit is a gift promised by the Father for all believers. Not only this, the gift of the Holy Spirit is fully paid for by Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is fully paid for by Jesus Christ. We sing a song here on Sunday mornings, Jesus paid it all. And of course, uh, the, the last, um, the last uh, ver- verse in that song talks about when we stand before Christ, when we stand before Him on, the, on Judgment Day, that we will sing this song, we'll say these words, Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all for us to have eternal life, for us to have forgiveness of sins, for us to have right standing with God now through His blood, and He paid it all for us to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus paid the full price for the Holy Spirit to be received by all Christians. And and Paul tells us that here in this passage. He says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So we were under this curse of the law. We had broken God's law. We still do. We broke God's law. We were under the curse of the laws, hanging around our neck like a ton of bricks, threatening to sink us at any moment. And Jesus came and bore this curse on our behalf for us. He took it from us because he hung on the tree. Verse 14, it says, so that. Do you guys see those two words at the beginning of verse 14? So that. Jesus did this for a purpose. The purpose was so that we would receive the blessing 
of Abraham. Gentiles, non-Jewish people, we would receive the blessing of Abraham. But then Paul doesn't stop there. He says that blessing of Abraham was given to us so that. Do you see the, the second so that in verse 14? So that we would receive the promised spirit through faith. So Jesus suffered and died on the cross, we see here in Galatians 3, bearing the curse for us so that we would receive the blessing of Abraham, which is right standing with God, being justified by faith, so that we could receive the Holy Spirit. See how the Holy Spirit comes through Jesus. He's paid the price in full for us to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is purchased by Christ, much like forgiveness, eternal life, justification, all of the blessings that we receive in the Christian faith. And this shouldn't surprise us at all, for every blessing from God for the believer has its connection to Christ. Every single blessing that we receive has its connection to Jesus. I remember one time somebody asking me, you know, this kind of a side note, but, you know, is, is the gift of healing, when someone is physically healed, is that... Does that come through the atonement of Jesus? And I, I think I said something like, everything, every gift from God is through the atonement of Jesus. There isn't anything that we receive from God as believers that doesn't come through Jesus Christ and the purchased gifts that he's given us in the cross and resurrection. 2 Corinthians one twenty one says, All of the promises of God find their yes in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 says, Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places we have received, past tense, in Him, in Christ. So, the Holy Spirit is a gift promised by the Father. The Holy Spirit is a gift fully paid for by Jesus Christ. I think this passage also shows us that the Holy Spirit is the gift of gifts in this life. I I said this something along these lines two weeks ago when I preached. The Holy Spirit is the gift of gifts in this life now. We talk about eternal life and forgiveness of sins and all these things are wonderful, precious gifts from God that come through Jesus. But I believe the Holy Spirit is the gift of gifts. And I I think it's seen in this passage, again, in verses 13 and 14, when Paul says that Jesus suffered and died on the cross, bearing the curse for us, so that we would receive the blessing of Abraham. And then he doesn't stop there. He says, so that we could receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the only way in to the Christian life, and it's the only way forward in the Christian life. At the, at the beginning of this chapter in Galatians 3, Paul is dealing with the Galatians, the, the people of Galatia, who started in the Spirit, but then were trying to move forward by their own human effort. And Paul says this, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? You know, I love giving gifts to my children. And I think the Father loves giving good gifts to his children as well. Alyssa and I go out on dates. Um, We try to go out most Thursday nights. 
It's one of the benefits of having a teenager in the home now. We didn't do this for years. We just didn't go out on, on dates consistently. But now we do. We get to we go out for coffee or go out for a bite to eat. And oftentimes, I'll, before I leave, I'll say to my, my children, I'll say, you know what? I, I'm going to bring home dessert tonight. And I would love to share it with you. If, if we come home and you guys are getting along and you're happy and the house is fairly clean. <laughs> and you know what? I come home. It's a good way to get the house clean. <laughs> to keep the house clean, okay? The house is clean when we leave. To keep things clean. Um, and, but you know what? When I come home and they hear the garage door open, they know. Dad has dessert. And they come running out of the house. They, they hear the garage door open. There's usually two, three, sometimes four kids. Usually Sabrina's not. She's a little more sober about things. You know, she's been watching the kids for the last two hours. So, um, but the two, three, four kids are running out into the garage. What do you have, Daddy? What do you have? You know, I pick up ice cream or cookies or something. I love giving. I love that. I love that. I do. I'm... I love giving them dessert on Thursday nights. It's so special for me. And in the same way, the father loves giving gifts to his children. Good things. Not just what we want, but what he knows that we need. The father overflows with joy in the giving of this gift of the Holy Spirit. Just like I overflow with joy as I'm giving my children dessert on Thursday nights. The Father overflows with joy. I love this sermon in Acts chapter 2 where Peter's preaching. And it says this, it says that, uh, that Jesus ascended to the Father and received from the Father the Holy Spirit and Jesus poured him out. And I just had this sense that like Jesus ascended to the Father and the Father said, I'm so glad you're here. Here's the Holy Spirit. Give him to them. Right? Are you with me? Okay, I think sometimes we have this idea that the Father's a stoic, you know, grandfatherly, stern man up in the sky somewhere, and he's fairly reluctant to give us things. I don't think we should see the Father that way at all when we come to him through Jesus Christ. He is pleased to give us the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 11, in, this, uh, in, in a uh, teaching on prayer, Jesus says, you being evil parents, an evil father, you know, he's talking about me, a father, you being an evil father, you know how to give good gifts to your children. You know what it says after that? How much more? Does your Father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask Him? How much more does your Father give the Holy Spirit? Another place in the, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus says, it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The Holy Spirit is the, gifts of gift, the gift of gifts in this life. And the Father and the Son, Jesus, are overflowing with joy in giving the Holy Spirit, to those who ask. When the gift of the Holy Spirit is received, he comes as a life-transforming power. He comes as a life-transforming experience. The New Testament seems to speak pretty clearly about the Holy Spirit not just being the subconscious thing that we just believe happened because the Bible says so. 
But when we read through the New Testament, we see over and over that it speaks clearly, and I would almost say incessantly, about receiving the Holy Spirit as a person to be dynamically experienced and not merely as a subconscious, stagnant truth. Think about the phrases in the New Testament that are used in connection with the Holy Spirit. Jesus and John the Baptist both speak about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to be baptized? Well, when we baptize someone in water, we immerse them in water. They come up, they're soaked with water. Jesus said, you're going to be baptized. John the Baptist said, one who comes after me, he's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself said to his disciples, not many days from now, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What's he mean? To be immersed in the person of the Holy Spirit. Much like being immersed in water. So you come up drenched with him. The New Testament also speaks of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, whenever we use that phrase that we are filled or full of anything else, we know that we're talking about something that we're experiencing, right? If I say, I am full of food, I ate too much. I'm telling you, my stomach hurts because I had too much for dinner or lunch. If I say, I am full of sorrow, what am I talking about? That my heart is heavy, and I'm sad, and I have sorrow in my heart. I have grief in my soul. If I say, conversely, I am full of joy, what am I saying? My heart is overflowing with happiness. The New Testament talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes as a life-transforming power to be experienced The New Testament also speaks of the Holy Spirit falling on people. When I'm wrestling around with my kids, even my my smallest child, Silas, I don't know how much he weighs, 30 pounds, when he falls on me, I feel it. Especially if he jumps off the couch or falls off the couch on top of me. I, well, and I don't, I'm not trying to get us to be touchy-feely. I'm not, that's not really where I'm going with this, but I know that he fell on me. I know that he's there. He's on top of me. In our text today, in the last phrase again, it says, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. So that we might receive the Holy Spirit, who's a person, into our life, like we would receive a person into our home. If we receive a person into our home, Hopefully we don't ignore them or not even know that they're there. We receive a person into our home, and if they're an honored guest, they, they're there. We, we cater to them. We want to bless them. When, the whole, when we receive the Holy Spirit, when we receive the Holy Spirit, we're to receive him as a life-transforming, powerful person that we experience. When we receive the Holy Spirit, it results in evidences. When we receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit, it results in evidences. John Piper said this in a sermon. He said, Every text in the book of Acts where the Holy Spirit works in believers, it is never subconscious. In Acts, the Holy Spirit is not 
a silent influence, but an experienced power. Believers experienced a baptism in the Holy Spirit. They didn't just believe it happened because an apostle said so. You know? They didn't just believe it had already happened because someone told them it happened. They, they experienced it as a reality, something that happened to them. The Holy Spirit came upon them, and they were filled. Even a passage that oftentimes is used to, to talk about the mysterious work of the Holy Spirit, the, the unassuming work of the Holy Spirit, I just don't buy it. John chapter 3, where it says, you know, the wind blows where it wills, you know, you, you see where it comes from, where, uh, or I'm sorry, um, you see its influence, but you don't, you don't know where it came from and where it goes. But the wind, right? You see the wind. You know the wind's blowing on you. You see it blowing in the trees. Or last week, you see it blowing trees down. Right? When the Holy Spirit comes, you know it. There, there, there's, a, there's a reality to it. He's a person that blows. He's a, he fills us. He falls on us. We are to be baptized in him. We're to know him and allow him, or we're, we're to know him and be transformed by his power. And I think this meets our pressing need of the day. Each one of us here, none of us have arrived. None of us have arrived, okay? Every single one of us, Matt confessed earlier, and every one of us could get up here and confess faults from this past week. Every one of us. We are powerless to change ourselves. We need the Holy Spirit's influence, don't we? Don't we need his life-transforming power renewing us, refreshing us, changing us, setting us free? Like it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there's liberty. Liberty from what? From sin? From selfishness? From doing things our own way? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there's liberty. We need the Holy Spirit to be transformed, to become more like Christ. We need the Holy Spirit to be born again. If someone here isn't even born again, if you have no life in you, the Bible says that apart from the Holy Spirit's regenerating work, we are dead in our sins. We are powerless to fulfill God's will, obey His commands, or please Him in any way at all apart from the Holy Spirit. And the world is desperate for the revelation of Jesus Christ coming through those living in the reality of the Holy Spirit. The world is desperate not just to hear things, but to to have this, to interact and, and encounter someone who has this powerful interaction, this powerful anointing of the Holy Spirit, those who are living in the reality of the Spirit, where we are, like I said earlier, manifesting the Holy Spirit. Anyone can complain about politics, right? Anyone can complain about the political climate of our culture, about the economic climate of our culture. Anyone can complain about a car that's not working or being short, 
if, I guess if you're short on cash. Many people can complain about being short on cash. I mean, that doesn't take any help from the Holy Spirit. But what does take help from the Holy Spirit is blessing and praising the Lord and living a life of worship. We sang the song at the very end. I love that. Giving thanks. Many people drink water and turn and thanks the, thank the clouds or they don't thank anybody or anything. They certainly don't thank God. So we need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a promise from the Father, paid for by the Son. It's the gift of all gifts in this life. He comes to transform us by his power, and this meets our pressing need today. Well, here's the thing. You can't buy him. You can't be good enough to earn him. All you can do is receive him by faith. Amen? You can't buy him. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name in Acts chapter 8. He tried to do that. Or he tried to buy something from Peter, this anointing that Peter had of the Holy Spirit. He said, can I give you some money for that? And Peter said, you are lost. can't buy him. You can't be good enough for him. You can only receive the Holy Spirit by faith. And really, honestly, up, up until now, um, I haven't really differentiated between being a believer and not a believer because I don't know if it really even matters how we receive the Holy Spirit. We come to him in exactly the same way. We come to God through Jesus in faith to receive the Holy Spirit. There's two things I want to say up front or or right now before I move on, and then I'm going to close our time here this morning. The New Testament seems to indicate that bona fide born-again Christians can have the Holy Spirit in a sense and yet not receive him in fullness. In Acts chapter 8, Philip comes to the city of Samaria. He preaches the gospel. People are receiving Christ. They're baptized. And then the apostles come later because they hadn't, it says, received the Holy Spirit. Peter and John prayed for these people in Samaria and they received the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 19, a very similar situation uh, with Paul in the mix. And also in Acts, there are multiple times where believers receive a fresh filling or outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So today, I don't want you to be in here and say, you know what, I had this experience a while ago, so I'm good. I want you to get in the habit, just like we should come and prepare our hearts every morning in light of the gospel. I want you to get in the habit of coming and getting before God and receiving a fresh filling of his spirit every day. This is going to be a message on its own, but Ephesians 5.18 says, keep being filled with the spirit. So here's what I would have you do this morning. And I want to do this together, okay? We receive the Holy Spirit by faith. We receive Him by faith. We can't pay for it. We can't be good enough to earn Him. We receive Him by faith. So how do we do this? First, faith must be rooted in the promise of the Father. Faith must be rooted in the promise of the Father. In other words, faith must be rooted in God's words and not our feelings. In Acts chapter 2, verse 39, it says, This promise, this promise is for you and your children and your children's children and to all 
who the Lord calls to himself. Our faith, brothers and sisters, our faith, as we want to receive the Holy Spirit afresh, as we want to come to God and receive the Spirit of God, this promise of the Father, our faith must rest and be founded on God's Word. Unless your faith is resting on and founded on God's Word, you do not have a biblical faith. You just don't. It's resting on something else on the shifting sands of your emotions, on the ups and downs of your circumstances. It must be rooted in God's Word. This is a promise from the Father, the promise of the Holy Spirit. So first, your faith must be rooted in the promise of the Father that He will pour out His Spirit on all flesh, that the young and old, that men and women, that the poor and rich who call upon Christ, who are his people, can receive the promise of the Father. Number two, faith must go to the Father through Jesus Christ and not anything else that we bring to the table. Faith turns away from ourselves and turns outside of ourselves. I think one one way we get in trouble is we think that, that we need to look inside to see if we have faith. Faith turns away from ourselves and turns outward to Christ. We look away from us and we look to Jesus and his perfect righteousness and what he accomplished on the cross and his resurrection. And we say, because of that, Father, I come to you. Because of what he's done. Not because I feel faith rising up. Faith doesn't, I don't know what we feel feel that all the time. We often don't. We turn to Christ. We look to Him. We say, because of Him, I'm coming to you, Father, to receive. Number three, faith receives the Holy Spirit as a gift. Faith receives. Faith receives the Holy Spirit as a gift. You know the old hymn, Rock of Ages? Nothing in my hands I bring. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Nothing in my hands I bring. I heard one person say, Faith, when we come to God to receive anything, we come with the empty hands of faith. I'm not coming to bring him something like he needs something from me in order to seal the deal, in order to close on this gift, in order to somehow pay for part of it or any of it. We come to God through Jesus to receive the Holy Spirit as a gift. And I would suggest not not as a gift like a child in wealthy America, in a family that has a lot, receives another gift at Christmas time to at some point throw in the closet with all of their other things they've received. All right? Rather, we should come to God through Jesus like a child in rural Ethiopia who hasn't had a drink in two days and someone comes with water. And until you feel your desperation for God and for His Spirit, you won't come like that. Like one who is parched and thirsty, looking for a drink. Jesus put it this way in John 7, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And you might say that that is, I mean, if you want to sum up the, 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 the condition that we need to have in our heart to receive the Holy Spirit, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. 
If anyone is thirsty, let him come and drink. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It doesn't matter if you're poor or rich materially. We are to come to God poor in spirit, empty-handed, saying, God, I need what you have. I need what you have. I need your spirit. I need you. And number four, faith receives with gratitude. Faith receives with thankfulness. Nothing honors, well, that's an overstatement. I'm the champion of overstatements. It really dishonors me as a dad when I bring something to my children and I'm glad to give it to them. And they look at it, they kind of look at it like, what is this? Or this isn't what I wanted. Or I want this instead. Or so-and-so has that. Conversely, nothing honors me, or almost nothing honors me more than when I give my kids something and they receive it with joy and gratitude. Imagine, imagine just putting that imagery on God. God gave his son, son poured out his life unto death on the cross to purchase every spiritual blessing for us in heavenly places, in himself. Every promise finds their yes in Jesus. We receive forgiveness, reconciliation, and and the Father gives his Holy Spirit, and we say, no, thank you. Why don't you do this for me, God? I want this instead. Faith receives God's gracious gifts with gratitude. We shouldn't come to God like a selfish kid saying, that's not what I want. Give me something else. We should come to God like a thankful child saying, God, you, are, you have good things for me. You love giving good things to your children just like I love giving good things to my children except you're a perfect father and I'm far from perfect and you want to give me good things and the best thing you could give me is your Holy Spirit, yourself in your Holy Spirit. So thank you Father, thank you Father, thank you for this gift and receiving with gratitude coming to God based on his promise through Jesus, receiving the Holy Spirit as a gift and giving thanks to God for his gifts. That's how we receive the Holy Spirit. But, uh, I didn't put this, but it's just coming to me again. If anyone is thirsty, why don't you stand with me? If anyone is thirsty, Jesus says, let him come to me and drink. Don't answer, okay? I mean, you can if you want, I guess, but I'm not asking for answers. Are you thirsty for God? Are you thirsty for his spirit? Are you thirsty for his presence? Are you thirsty for him to come and bring his life-changing power into your life? To bring the radical and powerful and glorious change that only he can bring? Jesus says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. 
And he who believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Let's pray. Father, we just come like thirsty children today. We want to receive from you. We come like thirsty children to drink today. We thank you, Father, for your promise of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Jesus, for your perfect work on the cross to redeem us from the curse of the law so that we could be blessed and so that we could receive this wonderful, amazing blessing of your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that your presence in our lives is precious beyond words and we want to value you and we want to value you even more. We want to experience and know your presence and your power, your renewing work in our lives so that we can manifest you wherever we are. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So that we can be bold, loving, kind, winsome witnesses of Jesus through your power. And so, Father, we just come like thirsty children, based on your promise, based on the work of Christ, with empty hands. We have nothing to give to you in order to procure this gift. Jesus has already done it. So we just come to receive today. Pour out your spirit, Father. We ask, release your spirit upon us afresh today. Through Jesus, according to your promise, that we would be people full of the Holy Spirit. That we be people that don't just know about the Holy Spirit, but people that are full of the life and the resources and the power of your Spirit. So come, 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 Holy Spirit, today, and be pleased to fill us afresh in order that we may live lives that glorify Jesus all the rest of our days. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to say these words of Paul, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14. May the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the love of the Father and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you all. You're dismissed.